Hey there, it's Jim Meskimen. It's the Jim Meskimen podcast for the week of, uh, well, the end of October anyway, just coming up on Halloween. And uh, usually a podcast on Sunday. Could not do it this week. Uh, but here it is. Oh, gosh, it's Tuesday. Huh. Gee, I thought I was being at least a little bit responsible by getting it out on Monday, but that also came and went. I'm sure you don't have any idea or struggle in your life to get everything done. It's just me. I'm the only one. No, I don't think that's true. I think everybody's under the gun. That's the common denominator. We're all under the gun. And uh, it's exciting. It makes for a very thrilling kind of, uh, kind of existence. Gosh, I've been living under the gun so long, I don't know what it's like to not be in the shadow of an enormous imaginary gun. But there you go. I've been a freelancer a long time. And uh, I think I'm an incurable freelancer at this point. Anyway, I uh, wanted to tell you about the impression, guys. Nothing solid yet, but the amorphous kind of wispy happenings of uh, these vaporish uh, preformed plans and potentials is, is very positive. How about that? <laughs> That's as much as I can tell you. It all looks good, folks. Uh, what it is, I don't know yet, but whatever it is, it looks good. And the happy thing is that you know, sooner or later, I'm going to be able to tell you when you can watch the show, The Impression Guys. It may have a different title, but it will definitely have uh, all the impressionists and all the entertainment value that you're used to if you have seen those first six episodes. If you haven't, I think you should gorge yourself on those first six episodes, and it will whet your appetite for uh, our next seven episodes, and you'll be up to speed with the story and everything. You know, uh, I got interviewed the other day by a very nice girl, Kimberly Quigley, for her uh, her show, The Red... I always forget, is it The Red Couch? The Red Sofa? The Red Booth. It's a booth. That's the point. And uh, I told her at the time that, uh, you know, it, it seems like years ago when, when, when performers and actors and other business people would go around uh, to introduce themselves, they would, they would present a business card. And I imagine the first person that had a business card, who had to go to the great lengths of going to a, a typesetting shop, and they would, and he would, the man would say, "Well, do you want a, do you want a diploma? Do you want a, a certificate? No, no, no. I just want a very small card. Card? Yeah, just a very small card. You want it to open like a flap? No, no, no. Just a, just a little thing. Like a look, look there on the floor. Well, that's just scrap. Yeah, but something like that. But you know, clean, not with a footprint on it, and with my name on it." That's unheard of. I don't know what you're going to do with such a thing. Well, trust me, you know. And then he created this business card, and probably all his friends went, what, what have you got there? What a genius idea. Yeah, it's just my card with my name and address and phone number on it. What made you think of such a thing? Then, of course, it became ubiquitous, which is to say it's everywhere. And, in fact, now a business card, if someone gives you a business card, it's like, oh, you still do this? Oh, you don't just smack your phone against the side of my head? And download all the information directly into my uh, Fisher of Rolando. No, it's you know it's 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 the coin of the realm. Now now the business card seems to be the web series. You know, have you got a web series? Don't you have a web series? Doesn't everybody have a web series? Of course, there are varying degrees, and ours is really great. But still, you know, it's not a special thing anymore. I drive around Hollywood and Los Angeles, and I see billboards and bus signs. For shows, I don't even know what network they're on. They're on Amazon. They're on, I don't know, Walgreens. They're on Home Depot. You know, It's all blending together. Does Starbucks have its own channel? Why doesn't Starbucks have its own channel with its own programming, with its own content, the dreaded word content? You know, there used to be art, and now there's content. Anyway, so uh, 
That's not to denigrate our show. In fact, that's just to, I don't know why. I just had to say it. But it, it doesn't seem that way. It seems a little like everybody's got a show. And there are a gazillion shows. And like my mother says, there's just too many shows. Of course, she's had her big show. So it's easy for her to say that. She's had several big shows. Uh, anyway, I've got my big show. And as I was saying, as I was leading up to, there will be uh, an announcement of the Impression Guys. And you can see it. And I, I just can't wait to hear your views on it. And if you like it or if it's just too weird for you. I saw a show that was kind of kind of like uh, an adjunct to the Impression Guys, which was this second uh, Steve Coogan movie, The Trip, if you saw The Trip, which is also coincidentally the name of a like 1970s crazy LSD-themed monkeys uh, movie with, with, with a very young Jack Nicholson. But this trip uh, with, I think his name's Rob Brydon and Steve Coogan, and they're two British guys... And they do quite a few impressions, but that's not the whole point of the story. Anyway, they did a uh, follow-up movie, The Trip to Italy, which I guess is their way of going to Italy and eating some damn fine food and doing some impressions. We went to Van Nuys for our show, and we ate at Chipotle a lot. Anyway, I saw that movie, and I thought, oh, this is kind of a second cousin to, uh, to the impression guys, and maybe there's, maybe there's a market in Europe or in the U.K., at least, for what we do. Who knows? Um, also saw a movie called In a World. And you have to say it like that. And it, it does evoke and, and reference Don LaFontaine. His is the first face you see in the movie. And it's a cute story. I liked it. It had several people I knew in it, including Nick Offerman without his mustache. And that's a, sort of a disquieting sight. And uh, the great Dimitri Martin, who's a comedian that I really like. And I don't say that about many comedians. Uh... Well, I don't call them Dimitri Martin, for one thing, because then it gets pretty confusing. He's in it, and, uh, you know, it was good. And that also was kind of a, a small story, like ours. Looked like they had a whole lot more money than we did. Uh, but it looked good, and it was kind of funny and uh, interesting about the voiceover world, a made-up kind of uh, world of trailer announcers and their competition. And uh, I recommend it. It was really pretty cute. At first, it was getting on my nerves, but then I saw that, that the kind of neurotic dialogue was... was just the kind of basic language of the show, and then, then I got it. So it was cool. It was my mother's birthday, October 25th. Mark it in your calendar. Also my friend Nancy Cartwright's birthday. Strange. Big day. But uh, my mother turned 86, and she is happy as a clam, or much happier than any clam I've ever seen. She's you know, just feeling great. She's enjoying her life. She went out to New Jersey to sign a bunch of autographs on her birthday. She flew out there first class and met Henry Winkler and some other people, uh, Cindy Williams from uh, Laverne and Shirley, and they went and they signed a bunch of autographs. Now, does your mom do that? Whose mom does that? She's extraordinary. Anyway, so I'll tell her happy birthday for you, and thanks for sending all the nice wishes. I got a bunch of nice things on Twitter about her, and um, she's just aces. You know, I want to talk about something tonight, and, and I apologize for people that, uh, for my good friends who listen to this podcast, uh, my friends, my, my followers, my disciples, my, my minions, I don't, I don't know what to call you. You're just folks that listen to the podcast. I apologize because I know you probably are mostly interested in, in hearing from Jack Nicholson or Morgan Freeman. Or Robert De Niro. I'm not really interested in Jim particularly, but just, you know, as, as a funny guy which is great, uh, and I appreciate it, and, uh, and to hear funny voices and funny improvised bits and stuff, and, uh, and uh, I, I'm happy that you tune in for that. I have to risk your friendship here and, and, say, and talk about something that's actually quite personal. I hope you don't mind. 
Uh, I don't think I'm going to make any friends with this. In fact, I think a lot of you will just go, okay, I'm out. I'm done. It was nice while it lasted. But uh, for those of you that hang in, I, I, I love you. But um, basically, I wanted to talk about uh, something that happened to me that, that was unusual and, and, and notable, and I'm very, very happy and grateful about it, okay? So as some of you may know, or you could certainly find out by, by Googling me in a second or Wikipedifying me, uh, I'm a Scientologist. What does that mean? That means that I practice Scientology, and that is a religion, and it's a very new religion. It's been around since 1954, um, so it's, it's older than I am. So for me, it seems old. But um, so, and that means I apply Scientology in my life. I respect all religions. I even respect irreligion. Uh, I respect atheists. My father was an atheist. He was an atheist who knew more about the Bible than anyone I know. So he was very interested in religion, but he chose to not believe in God. I don't really talk about my beliefs in God, and that's not what I'm talking about here. But uh, I do use Scientology to run my life and to solve my problems, right? So, uh, so I don't. That means I don't use other methods because for me, I'm this is this is for me, you know. And when I was a young man, and I, I was having difficulty socially, I was having difficulty with my health, I was having difficulty with my dreams and goals. And a friend of mine said, "Hey, you know, check this out," and I went, "Uh oh." Well, I don't know, because it was an organized religion. And I've been sort of conditioned against organized religions. Not that a disorganized religion is any better. In fact, I think that's even worse. But an organized religion, I was sort of like, mm, I don't know if I want to have anything to do with this. But I read some books and I put it to use and I went, you know what? This is pretty good. This works for me. And I'm happy and I'm satisfied. So 30 years later, here I am, still a Scientologist, still a working guy, got a career, family, you know, I've got everything you've got. I've got, you know, busy life. And I found myself at the end of, a, like I said, about a week ago, really depressed. And that's unusual. First of all, I don't use the word depressed because it's such a loaded word. It's like depressed. It's like a, a, you just say that word. It's like a, an ad in a woman's magazine, not to disparage women, but to disparage women's magazines. Uh, or time, or any of these things that have, you know those ads that say depressed, and then they have some kind of weird picture, or wacky piece of art, and then the following three or four pages are all small type of all the side effects of what it is that they want to give you because you're depressed. So that's what I want to talk about. So I found myself, I was depressed, and I thought, you know, I'm depressed. And I think a lot of it had to do with travel, I think a lot of it had to do with coffee. I think a lot of it had to do with I got a couple of punches to the gut in terms of business, you know, lost a couple of gigs, and then I didn't sleep all that well, and then blah, 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 and then it's becoming the fall and whatever. So I didn't, like, immediately go, well, this is, you know, unprecedented. This, this must require immediate action. First of all, when you're depressed, as anybody who's been depressed knows, you don't want to take any immediate action. You just want to sit like a, like a lump. And, uh, and nothing excites you. So it was such an unusual thing for me because I'm normally not a happy-go-lucky guy. I don't even know what that means. Happy-go-lucky, I think that was the eighth dwarf. Uh, but I am a, a guy who doesn't sit around and mope and, and, uh, and feel sorry for oneself too much. I just, I, and I deal with it. I use Scientology generally to deal with things. And so when I got depressed like this, I did. I used Scientology. I had a friend help me. I told her, hey, I'm, I'm clinically depressed. I feel clinically depressed. 
And so we went to work and we applied a very simple Scientology thing, which does not involve drugs. Because Scientology doesn't have anything to do with drugs. We're trying to get people off drugs. Why? Because you're more aware and we conceive that you're more yourself when you're not on drugs. Maybe that's crazy. I don't know. But uh, for me, I definitely feel more like myself when I'm not toasted. So in a few hours, I was not clinically depressed anymore. Haven't felt bad since. In fact, I felt great. In fact, I still feel great. So that's interesting because, you know, as you know, uh, there's all this attention about depression and a depression is a disease, which I don't believe. You know, my blood didn't change. I didn't, I don't know. It's not, I didn't start sneezing. I could have got sick, I guess, if, I, if it had gone on for a while. But that's, that's a disease is if you get a cold or, or you're susceptible to the flu or, or whatever. But I didn't have that. I just had, I was just really down. And you say, well, you're depressed. How depressed were you? What do you know from depressed? Well, I looked it up, you know, and, and in the, the thing online that I saw on Wikipedia, I'm can't, not connected to Wi-Fi now, but by memory, I can tell you that they said, if you have several of these five different symptoms, you are clinically depressed. I thought it meant you had to walk into a clinic. And the guy said, you are now depressed and put, you know, water on your brow. But it doesn't really have to do with that. It has to do with, you know, do you have no desire to do anything? Do you take no pleasure in things that you normally take pleasure in? Do you have trouble sleeping? Do you have weight loss? I, you know, I didn't have it long enough to have any weight loss. I'm sure I lost a pound, you know, but and, and things like this. OK, and I looked down the list and I went, yep, yep, yep. Nope, nope. So, you know, I had the majority of the, of the symptoms. I just felt bleak and hopeless and low energy, and uh, I felt there was no hope and blah, blah, blah. So that's depression. Now, if it lasts 45 minutes, if it lasts a day, in my case, you know, uh, 48 hours maybe, maybe not quite so much, maybe 32 hours. Uh, And then handled, fine, nothing, no problem. No drugs. Now, what we did to do this, the technique that we did, uh, to handle my clinical depression. Uh, I, I don't think it's the only thing in Christendom that you could do or in Encino. Uh, you could do a lot of things, right? A lot of people say, well, why don't you go out and take a walk? Why don't you go mountain climbing? Why don't you go for a swim? Why don't you paint a picture? Why don't you blah, blah, blah? And there are a million things you could do. And those are all great because if they work, first of all, you get the result and you don't do a drug. Now, what's my beef about doing a drug if you're depressed. Well, I know from my experience that I didn't have to take, you know, Xanax or I don't even know the names of all these things today, but pick up a woman's magazine. You'll see six or seven of them being advertised uh, and uh, probably a total of 27 pages of side effects. So I didn't do that. And that meant I did not then give myself a new problem. And the new problem would have been, you know, take this drug and... uh, the health risk of those drugs is substantial. The side effects are, are are nothing to sneeze at. You know, the worst of them is suicidal, what they call suicidal ideation or ideation. That means thinking about suicide, suicidal actions or thoughts, actions, suicidal actions. I and mean, we just had Robin Williams die, what was it, a couple months ago. Suicidal thoughts, suicidal actions, you know. Was he on? Uh, was he on some of these drugs? I gotta think he was. He'd just come out of a, a psychiatric clinic or a, a psychological um, kind of uh, retreat in, I think it was Minnesota, 
I'm sure they brought it, you know, gave him a bunch of things to take home. I, I, you know, we haven't, haven't seen any toxicology report. That may be completely wrong. But in this druggy, druggy world where so many celebrities are, are on drugs, I, I think it's a pretty much of a no-brainer that he was on something to all of a sudden go, well, here's the answer. I got to just hang myself by a belt. Wow. I mean, that that is a that is a depressed solution, right? And I think it's aided and abetted by drugs. I'm sorry. I really do. Because uh, a person can be depressed and then they can pop out of it. You say, well, what if they can't pop out of it? Well, I, I just don't think that taking a drug is the right thing to do. I mean, it, to me, it's so obvious. But of course, I've lived my life drug-free, at least recreational drug-free, and most medical drugs drug-free since 1983, 31 years. Um, and it's been just fine for me. I think I took a Tylenol a couple times. Um, but uh, in doing that, I've realized that well, first of all, drug is a toxin, folks. I'm sorry. I mean, if you look it up, that's what it is. It's a toxin. In other words, it creates an effect on the body by acting against your body's natural mechanisms. It bypasses those mechanisms. It shuts down certain things. And there's a toll. There's a cost to that. You know, it's going to, if you shut down one part of the body, another part goes, oh, I better go into action. That can be great from the short term. But your body will rebalance itself after a while, which is why you have to take more and more drugs as you go along because your body builds up a tolerance. I don't want to preach to you. All I'm saying is there's something to know about it, and I didn't do a drug, and I'm glad I didn't because now I'd have a drug problem. Also, these days, those psychiatric drugs, those antidepressants, they don't tell you this, I don't think, but probably on the black box it says addictive. Man, they are really addictive from what I hear. They're like tougher to kick than anything. Some of these drugs, they, they give you terrible withdrawal symptoms, which make you want to kill yourself. So you have the, you know, anyway, I haven't done it. I don't know, except that I've read and there's a lot of evidence about it. And, uh, and so why do it? Why give yourself another problem? Now, this, what I'm saying, like I'm saying, I'm not going to make any friends here. There's several of you listening to this podcast. They're saying, Jim, you are an ass. You're an a-hole. Okay. Because uh, you don't understand depression, number one. And, you know, you don't understand that these people really need uh, medication. This is, you know, if you take away, well, I'm not talking about taking away. I'm just warning you that it's a mistake and that there's something that you can do that does not involve drugs. I don't care if you do Scientology. I don't care if you give it a look or not. But consider other means. You know, extrovert your attention. Get out, ride a bike, get some exercise, stop eating crap. There's about 10 or 11 things I can think of right off the bat that most people could do, clear up their depression right away. Or you're depressed a couple days, like I was. Okay, you know, the net result of that, nobody even knew I was depressed. I went around and asked, did you know I was depressed? They said, no, we thought you were just quiet. Anyway, some people will think, wow, you're being so irresponsible. You know, I know people that would be absolutely livid if they hear this podcast and hear this opinion. But I'm sorry. Anyway, what a preachy, preachy podcast. Where's the comedy? I don't know. It'll come back next week. But I just had to say it because um, it's on my mind. And I hope you don't mind me being very frank about it. So to the, you know, three or four people that are going to stay on my subscription list after this, you know, welcome. And uh, I'm glad you're here. I'm sure it's going to get very lonely, but that's fine. I had to say it. And uh, thank you for listening. I will talk to you next week. And there will be a lot of comedy and uh, a lot of voices. I promise. And perhaps some really great news about the impression, guys. Talk to you later. Have a great week.